Thank you, Jan. Hi, everyone in the building. Hi, everyone online. <clears throat> I read recently what I thought was a slightly worrying thing. Apparently, some study, I don't know how they worked this out, but some study has found out that each day, every person has tens of thousands of thoughts. That wasn't the worrying bit. The worrying bit was that apparently 80% of those thoughts are negative. <laughs> thoughts about life, thoughts about yourself, thoughts about others. That's a, that's a lot of weight on your heart, don't you think? We need this series that we're going through at the moment. Our series is called How to Take Care of Your Heart. And so far, we've said, God, search my heart. And last week, Andy was helping us with a proverb in the Bible saying, guard your heart. And this morning, our subject, our title is, don't lose heart. So we're going to read from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, one of Paul's letters in the New Testament. It should come up on the screen. He says this. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. But down to verse 7, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, <clears throat> Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. Verse 15, all this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, again, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Now you'll notice that twice in that section, <clears throat> Paul mentions we do not lose heart. In other words, we keep going. We persevere, we endure, we persist. Our courage is undaunted. But I'd suggest to you that he only needs to say that because there is a, the possibility, the very real possibility of losing heart. And I think he, he knew that for himself. He's already said in this letter, in this very same letter at the beginning, he said, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Paul has known what it is to feel like he could easily lose heart. But he's got reasons, which we'll look at in a moment, for not losing heart. I think it would be true to say that the temptation for each of us to lose heart, to faint, to get very weary, is one of our toughest heart challenges. <clears throat> Someone says something, and I just feel deflated. 
I lose heart. I feel like I've failed again. And I'm just enveloped by a cloud of negative thinking. I'm in a situation and I just, I just can't see how things will ever change. And I end up even less motivated. I feel unappreciated and I just want to quit. Maybe you're someone who looks at social media a lot. I suspect most of the time you look at social media, you just lose a bit of heart. We've all known some of those times. Maybe you're in one right now. And perhaps it's due to one of these four causes of a loss of heart. I wonder if some of these fit for you. First is hurt. We all know what it is to be hurt. We all know what it is to be slighted, to have someone say something, do something, and we end up hurt and we lose heart. I was playing football. I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. I think I was playing football once years and years and years ago for a church match, and a pretty innocuous challenge caused my shin bone to hit someone else's shin bone, and this great crack went right across the whole football field. You know, I've never, ever played football again. (laughs) I don't need to play football. It's not a great big deal in my life. But I've just thought, there's no way I'm putting myself in that position again. And that similarly can happen to your heart. We all know what it is to be once bitten, twice shy. I tried that. Do you know what? I'm never doing that again. And you just end up losing heart, hurt, weariness. This marathon that's called life can have a very wearying effect, can't it? Sometimes it's just really hard work to keep going. Let's just be honest about it. And then then factor in COVID. And it feels doubly difficult sometimes to keep going. When I was a PE teacher, or when I was training to be a PE teacher, we were taught there are various aspects to fitness, beginning with S, strength, suppleness or flexibility, speed, And stamina, stamina, the ability to just keep on going, the ability of your heart to keep pumping, the ability of your muscles to keep working. I've always found, I don't know if if my running technique is just poor, I may need some training, but I found, and I always, and I still find, that I just can't run for very long. (laughs) Some people just run and run and run, don't they? Maybe you're one of those. I just run for a mile or so, and I just, however slow I've gone, I just can't keep going. My heart gets weary. And perhaps your heart, your inner being, finds that you just get weary because of some marathon-like challenge. Long-term illness can do that. Ongoing financial struggles can be deeply wearying. Perhaps an uneasy but close relationship makes you feel like that. Perhaps you just feel trapped in some way. It can be really hard to keep going. Hurt, weariness, fear. Fear can cause us to lose heart, of course. Dozens of times the Bible instructs us not to be afraid. Why? Well, precisely because it's a very common emotion. There are plenty of examples in the Bible. Abraham, Moses, the spies, Gideon, Jotham, Saul, Elijah, Peter, the disciples. Being fearful... It's a very common experience. And the feeling, the suspicion, the the horror that something scary will happen can leave you feeling sick in the stomach and rob you of peace and just turn your heart to jelly. 
You've lost heart. And finally, disappointment. Disappointment is like the sadness gap you feel when your experience comes in below your expectations. You can find that at work. You can find that with friends. You can find that in the church. You can find that in marrying, in being married or in not marrying. You can find that in having children or not having children. You can find that in yourself, can't you? I'm just disappointed with me. What's the point? Proverbs 13, verse 12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, weary. So with the, with the vast number of opportunities to lose heart, what does Paul say in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 to encourage our hearts to counter the negative effects of hurt and weariness and fear and disappointment? Well, here's my summary. Here's my summary of what Paul says of why he's not losing heart. Number one, because God has been merciful to us. Number two, because God is at work in us. And number three, because of the future God has promised us. Firstly, we don't lose heart because God has been merciful to us. Let's read verse one again. He says, therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart heart. And the, the word therefore is a bit like he's been saying in chapter 3, right before here, he's been saying this, 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 therefore I don't lose heart. So we have to go back and see what was he saying in chapter 3 that's led him not to lose heart. And what he's essentially saying back there is that God has given him mercifully, not because he deserved it, God has mercifully, graciously given him a ministry, a service God has brought him into something purely of God's own mercy. And he, what he's saying is that God has made him a servant of this amazing gospel of what God has done in and through Jesus Christ, what God has done for him, what God's done in him, what God has given him all encourages his heart. And so he describes in chapter 3 the new covenant that God has made and given in contrast to the old covenant. And before we think he's rubbishing the old covenant, five times in five verses, he says that the old covenant was glorious. What God did for his people before Jesus was glorious. And it was glorious. It was glorious. It was glorious. It was glorious. And you have to think, Imagine living in those times. Imagine going to the temple with the crowds of worshippers and God's presence being there. Imagine in the days of Moses seeing a pillar of fire at night and a pillar of cloud at day and it stays and then it moves and you move with it. What an experience. Imagine being amongst those who crossed the Red Sea. Imagine walking around Jericho and finding the walls falling down. Imagine some of those prophets and the miracles. What a covenant. It was five times glorious. And yet he says in chapter 3, that that old covenant was a covenant of the letter which kills. It brought and ended up in condemnation and it was simply transitory, passing. What God had given before Jesus was amazing, five times glorious. But what he's given now through Christ 
is overwhelmingly astounding. No wonder he's encouraged. So he says of this new covenant back in chapter 3, he says it's a covenant of the Spirit who gives life. God is with you. In a different way to he ever was. It's even more glorious, he says. In contrast, he says, to to it ending up in condemnation, this new covenant brings righteousness, a right standing before God. In contrast to it being temporary, this one will never end. It's lasting. Paul is saying, in the face of all the challenges that I'm facing, which were considerable, none of them, outweighs the encouragement my heart gets when I consider what God has done for me. All of his mercy. Let me encourage you to do the same and recount his blessings and recount what he's done for you in Jesus Christ and not let your heart be discouraged. We don't lose heart because of what God has done for us. And we don't lose heart, secondly, Because God is at work in us. So the second time he says, therefore we don't lose heart, is in verse 16. And again, because because he said therefore, we have to go back and see what he's been saying. Bang, 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 therefore I don't lose heart. Well, what are those reasons that he gives? And they're summed up in verse 15 where he says this. All this is for your benefit. All this being the stuff he's going through. All this is for your benefit. So that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Now remember, Paul has been suffering severely. He's just had a ministry of suffering. He said in verse 8, we're hard pressed on every side but not crushed. We're in despair. We're Uh, persecuted but not abandoned. We're struck down but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus. It's like he's dying a death every day in order to live for Jesus and serve these people. But I'm not losing heart because all that I'm enduring, verse 15, is working for your benefit. Paul is saying to his readers, don't worry about me. Good is coming to you, even though I am struggling and suffering. He says, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. He says, despite all that I'm going through, verse 15, I'm not giving up. I'm not discouraged. I'm not losing heart because grace is reaching more and more people. Paul will do anything. Paul will go anywhere if the knowledge of Jesus Christ will simply spread a little bit further. So he's not losing heart because God is at work in and through him. And he's not losing heart because ultimately all this, he says, verse 15, is working to the glory of God. I may be suffering a little bit, well, in his case, a huge amount. But listen, if God gets the glory, I will press through anything. I will not lose heart if only God will be glorified. And that's an experience, I think, that he particularly knew as revealed in Acts chapter 18. Paul is in, Paul's in Corinth, and it says this, verse 9. One night, the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent, for I am with you. I have to think to myself, 
I wonder what state Paul was in that God needed to send him that message. If God needed to send you that message, it would be because you are discouraged, because you're in danger of losing heart, because, if you, because you wonder if there's any point in what you're doing for God. And this is exactly what some of you need to hear this morning. This is it. This is the thing that you today need to hear. Don't let your heart be discouraged. God is at work in you. He is working through you. Your labor for the Lord is not in vain. Those of you who are parenting, parenting is a huge joy and a huge challenge. And let's face it, every parent has wondered at some point, am I doing any good here? Listen, keep looking to God and trust that he is at work as you lean on him. Those who are teachers, it's absolutely the case. Sometimes you wonder, am I making any difference here? Those who are health workers, those who are church staff, basically anybody working with people, the rewards are very difficult to realize sometimes. Am I making any difference? God wants to say to you this morning, don't lose heart. Keep going. I'm with you, I'm working through you, don't let your heart be discouraged. Those who work with youth and with kids in this church, sometimes you think, are we making any difference? Don't lose heart, God's at work in you, he's working through you. Those who are life group leaders, those who are serving people in any way, let me encourage you this morning, don't quit, don't lose heart, trust that God is at work in you. His word to you this morning is, I am with you, don't fear, keep at it, I will work through you. We don't lose heart because of what God has done for us. We don't lose heart because God is at work in us. I hope you're encouraged. hope you're being helped not to lose heart. But hang on a minute, it gets even better. It gets even better. Here's the ultimate antidote to losing heart. Here's the ultimate vaccine you need to the disease of losing heart. It's this, we don't lose heart because of the future God has promised us. So verses 16 to 18, therefore we do not lose heart. We've just talked about that. Though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. Do you feel like you're wasting away? Oh, I do sometimes. I know you're not allowed to shout or sing, but you can say yes. I do sometimes, inwardly we're being renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen but on what is unseen since what is seen is temporary but what is unseen is eternal. Always always in Paul's mind is the goal of salvation. The ultimate goal, that this is not all there is. Is life with Jesus good now? Yes, is the right answer to that. Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. Life with Jesus is good now, but this isn't the goal. Paul is always future-oriented. He explains it here. He goes on into chapter 5. There is a goal to your salvation. I might be wasting away, but I'm not losing heart. I might have troubles, but I'm not losing heart. Why? Because all of this, even the troubles, are working to my advantage, being with Jesus. 
an eternal glory that far outweighs the weight of any difficulty and burden of heart that I feel in this life. Every day, even a tough day, listen to this, every day, even a tough day is another day closer to the prize. Every day, even a tough day is another day closer to the prize. But Paul uses, you might have felt it as we read it, Paul uses a phrase in verse 17 that I think, if I'm honest, can be very hard to hear if you're struggling, if you're suffering, if you're deflated, if your heart has lost some vigor. It's this. He talks about our light and momentary troubles. Aren't you, slightly, you should be slightly offended by that on first reading. Whatever you're going through, they're light. They're momentary. I would, want, <laughs> I would want to say, I can think of some people immediately in my mind right now who I think would want to say to Paul, come on, for goodness sake. Do you not know what I'm, you don't know what I'm going through. What an insult to call my troubles light. What an insult. It's been going on for years. And you call it momentary? What would you think if I said to you that Mount Everest is tiny? You'd say, Tim, you're nuts. I'd say, so my answer would be, well, okay, it's massive in comparison to me. Massive. But if I put it next to the sun, it's tiny. What, okay, what would you say if I said to you the sun is tiny? Well, you've probably got the idea now, but you'd kind of want to say to me, Tim, still, you're nuts. I'd say, well, okay, yeah, the sun is massive, but in comparison to Mount Everest... But if I were to put the sun next to our solar system, of which that's obviously not in scale, you'd have to agree, well, in, comp in comparison to the solar system, yeah, okay, the sun's tiny. And maybe then I would say to you, well, what if I said to you that our solar system is tiny? You might have thought I've flipped now. And I'd say, okay, well, yeah, the, so the solar system is massive in compared to the sun, but if... I compare this, the solar system to the Milky Way, it appears absolutely tiny because it always depends what you're comparing something with. And that's what Paul is saying in verse 17 in that statement that at first seems quite offensive. Another translation says this, for our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparably eternal weight of glory. He's saying, however weighty things feel on your heart, however tempted you are to lose heart, know this, one day, even the weight my heart feels at its worst because of this will one day be tiny in comparison to the eternal weight of glory that far outweighs this weight 
that my heart feels. Which doesn't mean that what you're facing right now isn't significant. It means that what's coming is astonishingly great. C.S. Lewis, earlier last century, wrote, They say of some temporal suffering, light and momentary, of some temporal suffering. Imagine you're suffering terribly. They say no future bliss can make up for this. Not knowing that heaven, once attained, will, as it were, work backwards and turn even that agony into a glory. Jackie and I lived in Bedford for most of 10 years. We trained to be school teachers there and we had most of our first few years of married life there. We made some very, very good friends in the church. One couple were called Ron and Sue Lee. They were great. They were in our small group and we got to know them really well. Went to visit them even when we'd left. 17 years ago, Ron was diagnosed with Stomach cancer, a cancer the size of a rugby ball they found in him. And he went through treatment, and then five weeks ago, he finally died. After a huge journey of treatment. And two weeks ago, I watched his funeral online. Obviously, I wasn't allowed to go to be there. It was a great funeral. He's such a man of faith. Such a lovely man. The things that were said were real and true about him. And Ron was someone who didn't lose heart. Despite 17 years of cancer treatment and great suffering at the end, it was deeply unpleasant. He never lost heart. Why did he not lose heart? He never lost heart because he knew what God had done for him. And he knew what was awaiting him. And quoted at his funeral service, as well as printed on the back of the service sheet, was something he'd said to a friend just a few weeks before he died. This is what he said in his suffering. For me, he said, this is a win-win. I wake up and I see Sue's face. Or I wake up and I see Jesus' face. Either way... I win. God has been so merciful to you. Don't lose heart. God is at work in us and through us. Don't lose heart. And God has promised us a future that will far outweigh the weightiest things in this life. Don't lose heart. It's a win-win. With Jesus now, with him forever in an eternal glory that far outweighs it all. Can we just stand to pray? Well, all of us pray, but if you know at the moment in the building or online that you, your heart is really struggling with weighty matters, Can I just give you a few seconds to talk to God about it? Just tell him. Lord, my my heart is so weighed down with this. Talk to him. He knows. He loves you. He's he's never going to reject you when you speak to him.
let the truths that Paul knew come and hit your heart and reinflate it and encourage it. God has been so merciful and he will keep being merciful in Christ. Don't lose heart. God is at work in you, even if you can't possibly see it, because he's promised never to leave you or forsake you. Don't, don't lose heart. And you're in a win-win. God has promised a future that far outweighs the heaviest weight in this life. Don't lose heart. Holy Spirit, may these truths live in us and feed our souls and encourage our hearts. We pray for anyone who is in danger of losing heart. Father, please strengthen them. May these truths not just be words spoken and drifting off in the air. May they land and stay. Spirit, minister them deeply to sustain. Thank you. You are so faithful. Thank you, your promises are sure. And you will see us safely home in a glory that will surpass anything we could have ever imagined. What a saviour.